Our scripture reading this morning is Acts 11, 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing from heaven, uh, common or unclean, has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gives to us when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is God's Word. It is so good to be home. So good to be home. Jesus is alive, and he loves you for Sivan. I tell this to myself every morning. Pradeep, Jesus is alive, and he loves you. A great way to start your day. And we love you too. We will return back to Asia in 10 weeks. And we would love to spend time with as many of you as possible uh, while we are here. We thank you for your love and for your support. Let's turn to the passage we just read. The verse one, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea in and around Jerusalem heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. With the word now, Luke continues 
to describe the history, the birth and the growth of the church. That is what the book of Acts is about. And Luke, as you study the book of Acts, you'll see that Luke describes this growth, birth and the growth and the spread of the church in two different ways. First, it's geographical. It begins in Jerusalem and it spreads to the western side all the way to Rome. That's where in chapter 28 we see it end. But he also describes the spread of the church by giving us the cultural thresholds that the gospel is crossing. Chapter 1 to chapter 6, verse 7, we see the growth, the birth and the growth is primarily among the Hebrew-speaking Palestinian people in and around Jerusalem. And then we read about the Hellenistic Jews are added to the church. Hellenistic Jews are the Jewish people, but they were Greek in culture, spoke Greek language, probably did not grow up in that part of the world through the ministry of Stephen and others with him. And then the third group of people, cultural group of people that are added to the church, we read about in chapter 8, verse 14, ministry of Philip. And this is what it reads, 8.14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John, and the story continues. So, so now the Samaritans are coming and joining our church. Well, that's kind of different. And then we come to chapter 11, and it says the same thing again. Now, Luke says, the apostles and the brothers who are throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word. And this receiving the word means not just hearing the gospel, but responded to the gospel and actually believed in Jesus and wanted to be part of the church that was birth and that was growing. And then we read in verse 2, the story is quite fascinating. I love it. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, so Peter goes from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Peter has been traveling in that part of the world you see in chapter 8 uh, that Peter is going here and there, actually, the scripture says. Uh, we, we, we talk about Apostle Paul's missionary journeys. You should follow Peter's, too. It's, it's fascinating as well. So Peter, from Caesarea, he goes to Jerusalem, and he must have been quite excited. I'm not sure if Peter expected the response that he received when he gave a report in his church of his missionary trip. What happened here? Peter was criticized, verse 2. The word is also used, he was rebuked. In one translation, it says they contended with Peter. They contended with Peter. And they saw Peter's violation of the Mosaic law as a grievous scandal. How could you, Peter? How could you, Peter? And the interesting thing here is, I'm sure they knew that Peter was in Caesarea and what happened there with Cornelius. We'll come to that part. That's not, not criticizing Peter, that Peter, you preach the gospel. Peter, you baptize people. What are they upset about? Peter, you ate with these people. You stayed in their house. You hung out with them. You embraced them. You attended the church with them, Peter. How could you do that? Peter, you know, they said, we're not supposed to meet with them. We are supposed to keep distance between us 
and them, but you embraced them. You hugged them, Peter, and you had fellowship with the other that you were not supposed to. So Peter then turns around and he said, okay, my friends, let me tell you the story, what happened. In verse 4 we read, Peter explained to them in order exactly how it happened. Peter now tells them in an abbreviated version what happened in Caesarea and his trip there. And he tells his account in the first person. It's his personal story. Let, let me tell you what happened to me down there. So let's quickly recap the story. It'll be helpful uh, for us. So then he says, he said, I had this vision. I was in Joppa and in a trance. He was hungry. We read in chapter 10 and the lunch was delayed. Maybe he was diabetic. It happens to me when I don't eat in time. You know, I kind of. I'm not sure, but <laughs> Peter, he said he was hungry, and he sees this vision and see this great white sheet with animals and reptiles and birds descending, and Peter says, no, I'm, I've never, I've followed very carefully, I've observed all the laws, and God says, Peter, rise and kill and eat, and then he says, do not call people common or unclean, that was the purpose of this vision, so Peter talks about his vision, and, and then he says, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And just then he hears knock, knock, knock on the door. Three men from Cornelius' house. They appear, and we are told in chapter 10, actually chapter 10 begins with Cornelius' vision that he had. And God asked Cornelius, and the angel appeared to him and says, call for Peter. He's in Joppa, call him about 75 kilometers south of there. And he will proclaim the message that you need to hear in your household. And, and so in verse 11 says, Behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house which were sent to me from Caesarea. Peter does not mention Cornelius' name in this, uh, in this account here. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction between us and them. Let me read this one verse, what Peter told them when he went to their house. Uh, and he said to them, verse 28 in chapter 10, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of other nation. That's another ethnic group, another of other culture. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. He said the vision that he, Peter realized, that's what God was trying to teach him. No one is unclean, no one is common. And Peter, you need, to, you need to be with them. So then, so he continues, he said, the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. And then Cornelius tells Peter about his own vision, and he said, please tell us the message. So Peter preaches. And, and he says, uh, you and your household will be saved if you listen to this sermon. And in chapter 10, we hear that Cornelius has invited his friends and relatives. The words are used. So that was a pretty sizable crowd present when Peter preached. And when then Peter preaches, and he gets to the part where he proclaims the forgiveness of sin in the name of Jesus in chapter 10. And he said, as I began to speak, verse 15 in chapter 11, now the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning, Peter remember, and his friends, six of them, all Jewish Jesus followers were with Peter here in Caesarea. And they, 
And, and they, were, they were amazed in chapter 10, it says, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. God showed up here. God showed up here, and they were so, so surprised. And then the story continues, and he said, when that happened, Peter says, verse 17, look at it. When the Holy Spirit, uh, and they were baptized, if then God gave the same gift to them, they remember the day of Pentecost, as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this verse later, part of this verse caught my attention. I'm still studying. And then Peter says these words, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter must have just walked back. He, he realized that he was standing in God's way and the church along with him. And he said, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So here is the story of two men coming together, Peter and Cornelius, Peter and Cornelius. This meeting between Peter and Cornelius was a divine appointment. God orchestrated this event, a divine meeting, you may call, I call it a divine embrace, a divine hug. Neither Peter nor Cornelius would have scheduled this meeting on their calendar. They wouldn't say, I need to, you know, I need to go and visit Cornelius, or I need to invite Peter to my house. So Peter basically says, my embrace, my giving a hug to these Gentile believers was entirely God's doing, entirely God's doing. Look at, uh, turn with me, chapter 10, and look at last verse that we sometimes don't pay much attention to, verse 48 in chapter 10. And apostles in the, uh, last part, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days, to stay with me for some days. So they stayed there for some days, and they must have worshipped together. They, Peter must have taught some more for, about Jesus, told stories about Jesus. But I'm sure during that time, there's casual conversations probably took place as well, scheduled conversations. Conversation. A lot of time when you meet people anywhere in the world, weather, sports, politics, you know, it come up. And can you imagine the conversation going down like that? So Cornelius looking down at Peter and quietly, so Peter, you've never had bacon ever in your life, right? How about southern barbecue pork? No. Peter, you have no idea what you're missing. And maybe conversation, Peter turning to Cornelius and a Cornelius, what is it like serving for the emperor? What is that like? What is it like serving in King Herod's administration? I'm sure they talked about politics. A lot of people talk about politics. It must have been very awkward conversation. They were both voting for different parties, obviously. Peter and Cornelius were very different, and yet God, had, God wanted them to meet. And they both realized as they are now walking with Jesus in his disciples, the discipleship, they needed each other. They belonged to each other. Well, why did, why did God bring these two men together at this juncture in the church history? It's about 10, 12 years old, plus minus two, the church is by now. So let's look at it. What was in it for Cornelius? Why did God bring these two men together? Why this divine embrace? Obviously, for Cornelius, he needed to hear the gospel, and they did with him and his household, and they were saved, and they were baptized. And good observation here is that God used Peter 
God needs a proclaimer of the gospel. So Peter is sent there by God. And God uses the word, the word that was proclaimed. And then God himself shows up. Isn't it great? A proclaimer, what is proclaimed, and God showed up. The Holy Spirit, wherever there is the word of God, there is the spirit of God. And wherever there is the spirit of God, there is the word of God. So Cornelius and his family and the church in Caesarea grew. That was started by Philip chapter 8. For Peter. So what's in it for Peter? He needed another conversion. I believe here Peter was reconverted. He needed his heart change. God had to send him a divine vision and send him to this man's house for Peter to change and Peter realized for himself and he realized for the church, if we do not change, we are in the danger of standing in God's way. Verse 17. So that, and what's in it for the church? Peter was a leader of the church. He represented the church and church needed to change. I wish we had time to go into Acts chapter 15. That's where the church is making this decision. Look at 15, 19. Therefore, my judgment is, James says, after that debate and conversation in chapter 15, therefore, my judgment is we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. We should not trouble. In chapter 11, Peter says, who was I that I could stand in God's way? In chapter 15, the church decided we should not stand in God's way. We cannot, we should not, because God is building his church around the world and here, and he will continue, continue to do this. And this was by no means easy. This was not easy for Peter. It wasn't easy for the church. You read the rest of the story in the book of Acts, and you read the epistles. You find out very easy, especially when you read about Paul and his ministry. But Peter made every effort to change Peter needed Cornelius, and Cornelius needed Peter. Not just for their sake, but for the growth of the church, and it has its implications even today. In chapter 12, you, you read Peter hung out in Caesarea. In chapter 12, we read this uh, last verse. After Peter was in the prison and he was rescued uh, miraculously by an angel, Look at this last verse. Now when the day came, chapter 12, verse 18, and there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the centuries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then Peter, he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent some time there. Whenever Peter went to Caesarea, guess where did he hang out? Cornelius. They're buddies now. He knew him, right? And here is something very, very interesting. In 1 Peter 3.17, read, read 1 Peter 3.17 in its context later. This is what Peter wrote 20, about 25 years after this event, after his meeting with Cornelius. Honor everyone. Do not call anyone common or unclean. Honor everyone, Peter says. Love the brotherhood. That's the people in the church, family of God. Love them. Fear God. And look at the last part. What did Peter say? Honor the emperor. Do you think maybe Cornelius' influence 
Huh? Could be, think about it. This meeting between Peter and Cornelius was a divine appointment, bridging the distance between these two men, also showed that now God is bringing the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers together, and for that matter, everyone else, the Hindus and the Muslims and the communists and the people of different parties, God is bringing people. This was a crucial event in the church history with implications even today. Peter realized that if we did not change, if we do not change and receive Gentiles in the family of God, he was in the danger of standing in God's way. So who is standing in God's way? If you look at the scriptures, obviously the ancient serpent, Satan, the devil, He's standing in God's way. Genesis chapter 3. He started his work opposing God and he's still doing it. And of course the unbelievers and the governments around the world. Some countries in Laos where we have been many times. In Myanmar and other places. The, the government is hindering the work uh, and not allowing uh, believers to proclaim. But unfortunately... There it happened, and it happens today. The Jesus followers are hindering other Jesus followers. The rigid church, I find in East Asia also, is hindering God's work. It was not easy, but Peter and the church had to embark on this journey to step into the new world. The Lord was leading them to, to embrace others with all their otherness they bring to the church. God says, give them a hug. In this, the Lord was expecting them to change with the presence and in the power of the Holy Spirit. They both, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, had to conform to Christ-likeness together. Not individually, not just around the same people. And it was not easy for them. It wasn't easy. And it is not easy. Now, but we must because that is God's way, right? I, story, we attend a very nice church in, uh, in one country in Asia, and we have a Sunday school class like you have here, and for now over three years, there's one person in our Sunday school class. He absolutely loves China, and he thinks that China doesn't do anything wrong. They're the best people, the government and everything. He hates America, and everything we do here is wrong, okay? A few times when we would have conversations, somehow, no matter what we study in the Bible, he brings this up. And it just drives me crazy. And sometimes I tell Judy, Judy, don't say anything. Don't, just don't respond, otherwise he'll go on more. So I decided maybe I should just change my Sunday school class. Just, I, I don't like this guy. I'm out of here. Or get him out of here. But guess what? He's in Christ. He knows Jesus. He likes to read the Bible. He wants to study the Word. And he wants to learn the Bible from me. I'm going, can you not find somebody else? You know, I mean, why me? But we have to. Then I meet believers in Cambodia. We've been to Cambodia four times, five times, four times. And there are people in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ. And several, one young man that we have been training to do church planning. And he says, Pradeep, I'm sure there's one elder in our church I know. I believe his father killed my family during the Pol Pot, the killing fields. We have seen the museum there. But they are brought together by God. They both are in Christ, and they have to, they have to hug each other. They're communist believers I've met, and they kind of wonder, he said, what are you guys are 
problem with communism in America. You know, why do you? And I said, well, can we not talk about it? Can we look at Romans chapter and just quickly go to the? But there are people, they're in Christ and they're going to be part of the church. And we're going to have to learn to live with them. And that's God's way. God brought Peter and Cornelius together. I'm, I'm still studying this. I want to, I want to dig deeper into it. God's way has not changed. He's bringing people of all tribes, tongue, and nations together in his family. The vision John had in Revelation 7-9, a multitude, John says, he saw that no one could count from every tribe and tongue and nations. Genesis 3 the expelled sons and daughters of God are invited back in his presence through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what God's way is. Scattered, Genesis 11, scattered sons and daughters are gathered with all their languages and cultures different, but God is bringing them together. Genesis 12, Blessings to Abraham. In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Paul says in Galatians 3.8. And that is God's way. So when I read this and when I study this meeting between Peter and Cornelius. And I'm still wondering, why, why did you do this Lord? It was for Cornelius, it was for Peter, it was for the church at that time. And it is for the church today. So I ask myself, what about me? Lord, am I going to stand in your way in what you're doing in my life? In what you're doing in my family's life? You know, I have sometimes stood in God's way in my own life. I realized that God wanted his way in my life, and I realized the Holy Spirit showed me, Brother, can you just get out of his way? What about in our family's life? God is trying to do something in our family. Are we standing in his way, or are we standing for God, with God, amid the people who need him? What about our church, the universal church, the local church, what about here? Are we standing in his way? God wants to do something here. I know the history of this church. I was here during the 50th anniversary of the church. I organized the 75th, and if God keeps me alive, I'll be 84. I want to be here in 2035 when we celebrate 100 years of God's faithfulness. So God is doing something here at First Event. I walked in here in 1979, April, and since then, I've, this is my home, spiritual home, I consider. So when God wants to do something in our lives, in our family's life, in our church life, we need to ask this question, like Peter did. Am I standing in God's way, or am I standing for God? Am I standing with God in what he wants to accomplish? God wants to bring his church together, to be united in one purpose, in one spirit, to be one in Christ. And the enemy wants to bring divisions, 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 divisions. I've been listening to the radio, 600, there's a station I used to listen to after four years. So many times the country is divided, the country is divided, people are talking about it. 
Satan wants to bring division, not just among them. He's doing that to the church. And I can tell you stories after stories from Myanmar, from Laos, from Cambodia, from Thailand, from Indonesia, the countries that we have visited. The gospel is the only solution for reconciliation. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that brought Cornelius and Peter together. They would not have done it. And God says, I'm going to force you guys. I am going to appear to you. You need to get together. Because this is what I'm doing. Are we then going to stand in God's way? Or stand for God? And stand with God amid the world that is so broken? So desperately in need of the gospel. And we need, to, we need to think about it. And I think this is what, this is what Lord wanted to do. Lord wanted to do. And I'm so glad the early church, if you study Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, some of the people were insisting that the Gentiles believer had to go through circumcision and observe most of the Mosaic law before they were accepted as true believers in Jesus and accepted in their fellowship. He said, without that, it was not going to happen. But the church decided. And guess who supported Paul and Barnabas there? Because they were accused of doing, bringing Gentiles in the church, Peter. And Peter needed this. Peter supported them. It was Peter had this experience And here is the reason why I believe it wasn't easy for Peter. I believe in the chronology of the things. The event in Galatians chapter 2, do you remember that? Peter was confronted by Paul. When Peter, whenever Peter visited the church in Antioch, Syrian Antioch, north of Jerusalem, whenever Peter visited that church, there were a lot of Gentiles there. During the fellowship meal, Peter would eat with them. And when some leaders came from Jerusalem to Antioch, Peter says separated himself because he wanted to show that, oh, I'm still a good Jew or I follow these laws. And he was afraid of some of his leaders. And Paul rebuked him for his hypocrisy. So Peter did struggle. Peter did struggle, but they had to, he had to change. So I want to conclude with this, because this this one verse, verse 17 of chapter 11, has absolutely, absolutely done a deep, deep work, surgery in my own heart. Am I standing in God's way, or am I standing for God? And am I willing to hug people who are just completely different? Honestly, there are some people I don't like. But God says, but if you need to hug them, Are we willing to let the Lord do surgery on our heart as he did with Peter? Are we willing to do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this amazing story of these two men. Sometimes we read so quickly and don't dive deeper into it. But we thank you that you have kept this story for us to learn from. And I pray, Father, that we would learn to hug and embrace people who may be very different. When they're in Christ, we are all one.
in Jesus' name. Amen.